Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. Every two weeks, we post podcast versions of one of our free training videos, or you can access our videos now at beyondordinarywomen.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome to Beyond Ordinary Women. I am Kelly Matthews, one of the team members here, and today I have with me Mary DeMuth, a dear friend and an author of many books and a speaker and a scholar. And we wanted to chat with you today, Mary, about the topic of leading and ministering to survivors of sexual abuse. Um, We know that that's part of your story and you've written on it. So could you just give us a brief kind of overview of, you don't have to go into all of the details, but um, what brought you to decide to write about this topic? Well, part of my healing process was because I was able to tell my story um, several years after all of the abuse happened, um, once I became a Christian. And so there was such a therapeutic thing that happened. Plus the people's, the people who love Jesus prayed for me. And that, that also ushered in more healing, but I'm a survival, a survivor of sexual assault as a five-year-old for a year and uh, of some neighborhood teenage boys. And, um, to say that that had a negative impact on my life is an understatement. Um, and again, it was, it was 10 years later that I met Jesus. And then a few years after that, that I began healing and it began by telling that story. And so I became very comfortable with telling that story. Um, you know, as I parented my kids and as I was writing the first time I wrote, it was terrifying, but it got easier each time. And uh, now I, it's very easy for me to share about it. And it's been a passion of mine to help people be better at empathy and to be those wounded healers that really helped me on that healing journey. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to lead women through or, or walk alongside them is it's a skill that a lot of us just don't have. And so um, we're hopefully that this um, you know, time with you, we'll be able to glean some, some insight into that. You wrote the book, We Too, um, maybe three, four years ago. Uh, and it was specifically directed at the church and church leaders. Give us a little tidbit on what prompted that particular book. Well, I believe that we heal better in community. So hence the word we instead of me. Um, But I also during that time was seeing a lot of sexual abuse happening within the church and how poorly it was being handled. We had the Protestant church had become very proud thinking that we were so much better than the Catholics. Uh, We were worse in some ways. And so um, I really, because I love the church, I decided to write that book. The subtitle is how the church can respond redemptively to the sexual abuse crisis. And so it's basically a manual for anyone in church who wants to do a better job of loving people who come with not just an accusation against someone within the church, but just a sexual abuse victim in general, whether male or female, Mm -hmm. Um, how do we love, how do we be like Jesus to people who are shattered that way and are dealing with that kind of trauma? So what would you say is a common obstacle to a woman? Uh, We'll just speak about women, even though we realize that men are also victims, Uh, but because uh, our ministry really is directed at women. Uh, what are an obstacle um, that's pretty common to prevent them from coming forward with an accusation or even just a confession of this happened a long time ago, or it didn't have to be recent, but what stops people from that? 
Well, honestly, one of them and the big one is theology and what's being communicated from the pulpit. Even recently, I heard this phrase that um, King David had an adulterous affair. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's not in the Bible. So, um, So women have heard these kinds of accusations that it's basically up to a woman to control a man's urges in that case with Bathsheba, um, like it was part of her fault, like she was a seductress. And so if that's the culture in your church, then you would think in your head, what have I done to deserve this? Of course, there's always that word shame that's involved. Mm -hmm. And when there's something sexual that's happened to you, that's unwanted, there's still a part of you that thinks maybe I I can't think of anything, but maybe there's something that I've done. And so they fear the judgment that would come. I've had plenty of people say horrible things like, what were you wearing? And, you know, for my case, as a five-year-old, I'm I'm like, well, I was wearing saddle shoes and kindergarten clothes. So there was nothing sexy about it. Um, But those Mm -hmm. kinds of things are what prevent women from coming forward because of the shame, the theology, and also thinking they won't be believed. And that's, that's very difficult. So that leads to my next question is uh, if you're a leader in a church or in any kind of ministry setting, what is um, a, a, maybe the number one characteristic that would make you approachable? Uh, I think it's authenticity and being will, willing to share your own stuff. Um, I feel a lot safer if I feel like a leader is uh, is willing to talk, go into the dark places and say the hard things. It doesn't mean that they overdisclose all the time or they're inappropriate, but just that they are an approachable, authentic person and they're willing to share their mess with others. So that's, I think the number one thing. Okay. So if you are that leader and someone comes to you and says, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a victim, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. What's the next step? For a leader. Now assume that this is an adult that has come to you. Right. So that's a great question. If it were a child, anyone under 18, your job is not to judge, but to call the police immediately. So that's obviously the first thing that you would do. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's an adult, then you need to err on the side of belief and ask a lot of questions and, and empathize. Uh, if there had been a crime committed, then that at that point you would um, you would then again hand it over to the authorities. Um, if there has if if this was like someone you know that it happened 25 years ago and statute of limitations has run out and you know there's nothing you could do to to do anything legally, then your job is to be a, an amazingly empathetic listener. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is, seems really boring or strange, but in Romans, it talks about how we need to weep with those who weep. And the most powerful responses that I have gotten when I've shared my story has been someone crying with me. Yeah. There, there was a moment in South Africa where I was at the World Evangelization Congress, the Lausanne Congress, yeah. and I was a table leader at one of my ta- at my table, and there was a man there named Malcolm, and he knew, you know, I told my story, and at the end of the the week, he came up to me and he got on his knees before me, tears streaming down his face, and he said, "I apologize on behalf of all the men who have used you." And so he had that like apology, which was Mm. deeply powerful to me, but also the tears of someone feeling the weight of my trauma was very, very helpful to me. Empathy is a, it's a critical skill, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Especially if you've never been through anything like that. 
sympathy, empathy. Sometimes I get them mixed up, but still just letting someone know that you actually believe them, that you care about them and that you're willing to get them the help that they need as much as you are able to. And if you can't, then you can get them to someone who can. Um, so I'm going down my list here because there's so many elements to this issue. And it, you know, if you're this, if you're a, whether you're a women's pastor or director of women's ministry or a volunteer at church and on the care team, however, it's set up in your setting. Um, when someone approaches you and, and says something that heavy, um, a lot of times we're not going to feel prepared for that. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, some of these, these clues of how to react, uh, understanding the theology that's been taught. Um, what are some common mistakes that church leaders make? I think, you know, we try to solve a problem um, rather than listen. I think we also don't understand the nature of trauma. So we just treat it like any other confession. Dr. Diane Langberg says trauma is the mission field of our time. And I agree with her, mm -hmm. um, but so few people are trauma informed. I like to say that it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, I'm still, you know, I am very healed. Like I have walked through decades of healing, lots of prayer, therapy, mm -hmm. all the trauma stuff, all of it. And I still occasionally get triggered and it doesn't mean that I lack faith. It's that my body Mm -hmm. responds without my mind letting it, um, yes, you know, it just physical, takes over. It's just reaction. a thing. There's a book out there um, called the body keeps the score. And it, it talks about how trauma is held in your body. And, you know, a quick little story about that is when I was in Seattle, I went back to the place where all of it happened. I had never been back and, you know, I had lived in Seattle my whole life, but I went back to the place and I had, my husband was taking pictures and we were like praying in front of all the terrible places. And I had, all, my memory was completely intact. Every single detail I had remembered. So trust those people that tell you stories because you, mm -hmm. I had a five-year-old memory and it was pristine. Mm. So we finish all of this and we go get on a ferry. Cause that's what you do in Seattle. And we we're going to celebrate our anniversary. I do not advise you to go visit trauma sites on your anniversary. Oh boy! And we get into the Airbnb and I start vomiting and I cannot mm. stop for 24 hours. My, my mind was like, I'm healed. I'm healed. God is so good. Mm -hmm. My body was reacting to the trauma. And so right. all that to say, be very sensitive and tender and just do a little mm -hmm. research on trauma because it is a difficult, complex problem. Mm -hmm. So you kind of answered like three more of my questions already, <laughs> which is great. No. Um, so off the cuff here. So you're talking about being trauma informed. Are there courses that pastors can take? Is this something they don't teach you this in seminary? And many pastors are way past seminary anyway, where do you know of any resources that you could, you know, recommend? Is that something we can put in our show notes or do you have anything just off the top of your head? There are so many resources on we2.org slash resources. Okay. And that was the point of making that website was so that churches could say, I don't have, like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. There's mm -hmm. national, international training. All of that should be right there. And, um, what a, what a beautiful thing that there are a lot of ministries that are in this space that can help you. And, um, one off the top of my head is uh, netgrace.org. They do a lot of church training for how to respond to sexual abuse. So, um, that's one that I can highly recommend. Okay. 
let's turn just a second. Uh, we too was written about four years ago, but just the last few months you have written and about to publish another book called the most misunderstood women of the Bible. And I just finished reading it. It's amazing. So what, what you do just for all our listeners out here is take 10 women from the Bible that we've all heard of. We've all read their stories and yet they were either misunderstood in their lifetime or church scholars over the decades and centuries have misunderstood them. And many of them, there's a sexual component to how they are misunderstood. So let's go through a couple of this. And this is part of what I think contributes to our bad theology uh, about sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and um, women's body image and, you know, self uh, identity of, you know, who am I? Am I uh, fully a child of God because I'm a woman or am I not? So there's a lot of those issues as well. So let's just maybe go through two or three of them. And um, I'll start with Bathsheba. You've already kind of mentioned her, but is there any more to flesh out on that one (laughs) of, um, you know, we don't like to call David a rapist. It just kind of like irks people to hear that because it's, we don't get a sense that it was violent, but we do absolutely understand that it was a power kind of situation. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I did as a storyteller was just ask myself how I would feel mm-hmm. if men knocked on my door and took me to some place where I was basically forced to have sex with someone. And then that someone um, made sure that they killed my husband, Patrick. <laughs> and then I had to go live with my mur- the person who murdered my husband. I mean, if you just think right. of it only merely from her perspective, yeah it changes the story quite a bit. And of course we have the idea that this is a King. We don't have that. I mean, the figurehead Kings in the UK are not the same as a biblical King or Kings in that particular time period. What they said went, I mean, that is it. And plus the only people that would have held David to account were out to war. The only people he would have listened, he would have listened to Uriah. Like he was one of his mighty men, but all the people that were his accountability that he would actually have respect to listen to were not there. Um, And had she screamed, that's why she's um, like that. I believe it's in either Leviticus or Deuteronomy about the, if someone is in the middle of the wilderness and they scream mm -hmm. it, then the person who enacted the crime against them is to put to death, but not the woman because she screamed and no one was there to hear her. Well, this would be a case of that because even if she did scream, there would be nobody that would disobey the King to rescue her. She was still powerless, right? She had no ability to say no. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, yes, it's definitely a rape. It's definitely a violation. And I'm really tired of her being called a seductress. She was cleansing herself after her monthly cycle. That is the least sexy thing I can think of doing. So we need to just read the scripture for what it actually says. The scripture also does never condemn her for any of it. It was always his fault. Yeah, I always go back to Nathan's parable, and all of this is in um, 2 Samuel 11, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when Nathan comes to him and says, I need to tell you a story about a little lamb that, you know, was treasured and then was stolen, and David gets all upset, and he says, you are the man, you know, you are the man. Uh, and Bathsheba is never, honestly, never mentioned. 
Um, but um, only by yeah, and she's supposedly the lamb, and the lamb's right. not a sexy little lamb. So right, she's a victim, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's, she's a victim. Hurt. So yes. yeah, so if we teach the, that story with you know actually sticking to the text, then we see not a mutual affair. We see a victim, uh, and a, and David is forgiven because David repents, and and yes, we should you know be glad of that, but at the same time not forget what Bathsheba went through. Uh, so in your book, which I just need to give a little plug for, because I love the way you do this, you tell the stories and you do a little bit of biblical fiction. Um, you kind of retelling it, adding, you know, uh, appropriate cultural background and some dialogue to kind of flesh it out a little bit. And then the second part of your chapter, you, you put on your scholar hat and you analyze the text and then give some application to the reader about, okay, so this character was misunderstood in this way. How does this relate to you? And so super applicable and practical. And um, I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people because each character has a different issue going on. Pick another character for me. Which one? <laughs> um, I would say, you know, let's talk about the Proverbs 31 lady. Okay. <laughs> She's an interesting one because I think she trips people up. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And I think the misunderstanding there is just the fact that the audience for P31 is men and mm -hmm. none of us actually realize that. But if you just read the text, it's yeah. a mom saying, Hey son, here are the qualities of a good wife. Mm -hmm. And again, we have to remember that this is what's on her tombstone. This is her epithet. This is her obituary over a lifetime of things she accomplished. And so we don't need to compare ourselves in our Western mindset that we now have to like spin wool and we have to do all those kinds of other things. So I think she's one that's been misunderstood by scholars and also by us. And I also just appreciate on the other hand, I appreciate her industriousness and her, the seemingly great relationships that she fosters. So I, I love that about her as well. Well, we all love to hate her, you know, <laughs> um, she's intimidating or, yes. um, you know, we, we just think sometimes we've been taught that women aren't allowed to do certain things. And then we look at her and say, but she was, so mm -hmm. she's definitely a, um, a polarizing figure in some regards. Um, yes. and yeah, that the view of her, if she's not a personification of lady wisdom, which is another mm -hmm. interpretation. Yes, definitely. Um, yes. But if this is a real person that over a lifetime mm -hmm. of you know, living according to you know God's way. It's so. kind of like missionary biographies that you read and you're like, right. oh my gosh, those missionaries were so cool. Right. And then you read like the unabridged missionary biography and they yeah. were like beating their wife. And you know, it's like, oh, wait, wait, <laughs> these yeah, were the highlight reels. Yeah, they're very human. <laughs> they're human. Yes. Yes. Let's go to the New Testament and talk about the Samaritan woman uh, or woman at the well in uh, John four. Mm -hmm. She's been misunderstood because of the line that, Jesus told her when, when they're having this conversation, he approaches her, she's there at the well. He says, give me water. And she kind of goes, Whoa, you're a man, you're a Jew. And you're asking me for water. And they start a theological conversation. And then she starts arguing about where they're going to worship. 
And eventually Jesus comes out and, and says, um, well, go get your husband. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. And she, and he says, what you say is true. You have had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she's like, oh, I think you're a prophet. You know, like you just told me all this stuff. You had no way of knowing other than that. So that's the line that, that trips everyone up and makes people think, well, she must have been a loose woman, um, you know, living with and divorcing and all these things over. And so, you know, the moral of the story is that God can forgive anything or something like that. Yeah. When honestly, that's probably one of the worst ways to interpret that passage. Well, exactly. And there's a very strong probability that she was barren and, um, people in that culture could divorce you for any old reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and a divorce was a devastation for a woman, meaning there, she had no economic way to take care of herself unless she prostituted herself. And so this five divorce thing was not some woman like running around being loose. Most likely it was probably someone being, um, harmed Sorry. five times. Yeah. Or dismissed. And, And she may have had to be sleeping with someone as a paramour in order just to have food. Like a second wife or a concubine type of thing. Yeah. Yes. And Mm. so to interpret her as this, you know, hussy or haughty is a really Western, um, even like American Western way of reading her. I think actually she... Jesus has the longest theological discussion with any human being with her, Mm -hmm. which shows us that Jesus has a high value of women. And he also taught Mary of, of Bethany. And she was in that position Mm -hmm. of being at the rabbi's feet as a learner. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was definitely dignifying her and, and definitely drawing out her story, not to humiliate her, but to let her know that he saw her, Mm -hmm. which again, is the story of Hagar, which is one of the stories in the book, God sees. And then Hagar also names her son Ishmael, which is God hears. So the woman at the well is experiencing the God who sees and the God who hears and loves her anyway. Mm-hmm. And then she says, come see a man who told me everything about myself. And she's not ashamed. She's not and like, they oh listen. my gosh. Yeah, and, they and they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so it's, it's yeah. not what we think it is. Right. Yeah. So I love how you pull some of these threads out in the different stories uh, to show the, the people who are reading uh, kind of a, hopefully not too new, but I imagine a lot of readers, this is really mm-hmm. new way of looking at these characters and, and reading those stories that are so familiar. And yet, wait, I missed something probably. Of course, we can do that with any part of the scriptures. The sure. more we read, the more we learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this book will help um, open eyes as far as uh, particularly, and not all of them, but several of them have that component of either sexual sin happened to them or they were a victim or they've been accused of it, un, mm-hmm. you know, unjustly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so again, women are going to identify with different characters in different ways. So yeah, to wrap this up, a lot of what the church is dealing with is an inability to, to accept that abuse is, is really a rampant problem. And the more uh, the Me Too movement a few years ago really made it more acceptable for people to come forward and say, yeah, me too. Like mm-hmm. it happened to me. And so it thankfully, the conversation has opened up over the years. And uh, definitely the church is more aware of the problem and is more willing to help address it. Uh, it's 
but you know, it, there's a lot of work still to be done. And so we wanted this uh, interview to be a resource to leaders who um, may be in that situation where they have women coming to them and saying, I just have something to tell you, I need to tell somebody. Uh, and then kind of knowing, okay, how should I approach this? What the empathy, the listening, the crying with, the believing, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so I really want to pre appreciate you for bringing that to our attention. And um, we're also going to list your uh, website on our website page. When, whenever this is loaded up and, and ready to go, there will be a little paragraph there with some information. So any last words? I would say um, you don't have to be an expert to be a good listener. And I think a lot of people freak out when they hear a, a scary story. Every church has good resources, even if they're just in the community of, you know, of counselors, trauma-informed therapists, uh, Stevens Ministries, all sorts of things. So it's better if you have, if you're prepared beforehand, if you've got a list of resources that when it does happen and you do the empathy and you pray, but if you sense it's just too much for you to carry, there will be other places to take care who are experts in doing that. So don't feel scared or stressed, just be prepared. And um, then you'll feel a lot more peaceful while you're hearing those kinds of disclosures. Yeah. Knowing that you have a place for them to go mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. to send them. So, well, you're a big part of that resource. So we appreciate <laughs> your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you it. Bet. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.